Today's episode is brought to you by Sherry's Berries. Uh, Mother's Day is right around the corner. I have a mother. You have a mother, presumably. And uh, why not give her something nice, like Sherry's Berries. Uh, Enormous, fresh, juicy, mouth-watering berries dipped in white milk and dark chocolate, topped with chocolate chips, decorative swizzle, or nuts. Uh, These are delicious berries, starting at $19.99. And you can get them with a 40% savings uh, by using the code WRITERS, W-R-I-T-E-R-S, when you order. Or double the berries for just $10 more. Click on the mic in the upper right corner and use my code WRITERS. Uh, I bet your mouth is watering right now. I know mine is just thinking about Sherry's berries. Uh, Send them to your mom. Send them to your loved one. Send them to your grandmother. You know, people forget grandmothers on Mother's Day. Uh... Maybe you should think about them uh, once in a while. Isn't it time grandmothers got some berries? Visit berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S, dot com to order. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and type in writers. Uh, and, and use the code writers uh, to get over 40% savings uh, or double the berries for just $10 more. This deal expires Friday at midnight, so make sure you order now. Now entering Nerdist.com. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the creator of the Nerdist Writers Panel series. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, and let me know who you'd like to see on this series. I'm always looking for new ideas for TV show, movies, books, comics, anyone you like who writes things. Do me a favor, though, and check the archive to see if we've already had that person on whom you would like to hear from. Um, Each and every Nerdist Writers Panel benefits 826LA, the National Writing Program for Students. Uh, Please check them out at 826LA.org. I am a television writer. I've written for Supernatural, Super Ninjas, and I'm currently on the Netflix uh, DreamWorks show Puss in Boots. Uh, I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour stage production in the style of old-time radio, which is a weekly podcast here on the Nerdist Network. If you are a fan of things, you will enjoy the Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is coming to your town. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for a link to tickets. On May 10th, we're bringing the big show to New York, to Town Hall, and we've added some huge guests that we're very excited about, in addition to our already huge guests. We've got Paul F. Tompkins, Paget Brewster, Mark Evan Jackson, Busy Phillips. That's just our regular cast. Uh, and then our, our New York crew, John Hodgman, Jonathan Colton, Ira Glass, yeah, Ira Glass, Scott Adsit, Terry Kinney, Jackson Public, the creator of Venture Brothers, Paul and Storm, uh, and more, we've added Dick Cavett, yes, the legendary uh, comedian, talk show host, television personality, Dick Cavett, Zachary Levi from Chuck, and Comedy Bang Bang, Scott Ackerman. This is going to be a huge, fun show, and we're, we're going to have even more surprises Uh, at that show. That's on May 10th in New York at Town Hall. There's still some tickets available. Please come join us for that. We're we're pulling out all the stops. Uh, All of the links for tickets are at thrillingadventurehour.com. Hey guys, one more thing. Uh, We're still doing this retreat in Orvieto, Italy, which I am teaching, a two-week workshop uh, whereby you will write a script, a TV script, a movie script. You can work on comic book stuff, whatever you want that I can help you write. We're going to spend two weeks writing 
in Italy, about 90 minutes north of Rome in this beautiful little town. Uh, there are not very many Americans there, so we're the worst ones there. Um, and it's, it's just the most fun you can have while actually getting work done. Um, about half the group last year came out with really excellent drafts of um, TV pilots and, and movie scripts. Uh, and I think this year will be even better. I think we have about six uh, people signed up, and we're looking for a couple more. Uh, you know, and I'm looking for some high-quality writers and humans because, uh, you know, we're all going to be hanging out for two weeks, so I'd like some good people. And if you listen to the Nerdist Writers panel, then you are good people. So come to Italy, uh, come for a couple weeks, write a script, and, you know, you never know what will happen. One of the students uh, who wrote a script is now in this year's ATX pitch competition. Another one has had some interest from agents and stuff. Um, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, and, and, you know, I know you guys can do this. You just have to put aside the couple weeks. Join us in Italy. Go to michelangeloscreenwriting.com. Uh, that's, you know, like the artist, Michelangelo screenwriting.com. Click on the Orvieto Retreat, Practical Film and TV Writing. We'll do some kind of basic stuff, but really it's a workshop. I treat it like a writer's room, and, you know, we all sit around and we work on each other's stuff, and it's collaborative and it's fun, and like I said, let's get some good people there, uh, which I know that you are. MichelangeloScreenwriting.com. Come write in Italy. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blecker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. By way of introduction, uh, our old friend Wade McIntyre is back. Did you just call me old, just right at the top? Yep. Okay. Well, fair compared enough. to these youths who are here, <laughs> which fair is enough. what we're here fair to talk enough. about. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, but say hello. Who are you? <laughs> I'm, good start, uh, guys. Good start. <laughs> good start. Heidi McAdams. Um, I just finished my first year or my first staff writing job on intelligence uh, for CBS. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and Judalina. Uh, I'm Judalina Nira. I'm the Judalina on Twitter. Just plug it early. <laughs> wow. I like Twitter. What can I say? Uh, and I just finished my first year as a staff writer on a VH1 show called Hit the Floor, which if you haven't seen, I suggest you do because it's got a lot of sexy dancer girls in it. <laughs> thing that leaped out at me, and, and, you know, we're here because Wade said, I think we should talk about new writers and, you know, kind of being on staff for the first time and breaking in, uh, which I think is a great idea. Um, but this kind of came up on the last podcast I recorded, which is, you can't choose your first job. Mm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. And we've talked in the past about what you and uh, Aaron were first staffed on. Yeah, maybe just to go back, like, mm -hmm. we should, probably shouldn't assume that people know who I am because probably <laughs> no one does. Um, Disagree. But yeah, I write with a writing partner, Aaron Ginsberg. So a lot of times when I talk about my career, I say we, and it's not the royal <laughs> we, I'm just part of a writing team. Uh, and then I've been, you know, I'm sort of, a, I guess, a mid-level writer now. So I've had a few jobs, and I met um, each of these two writers through one of, through, I guess, through one of my previous jobs. I was on a show called Do No Harm with mm -hmm. Jelena, and then now on Intelligence with Heidi. So that's how I know everybody. Um, and you, so Heidi, you were a staff writer on yes. Intelligence, and Jelena, you were writer's assistant on Do No Harm, on Do no Harm. And, and then now I'm staff writer on right. on Hit the Floor. Uh, but that that was how you guys met. Yeah, um, it was good times. Can we just start like basics here? Where do you two come from, and how did you uh, how did you realize this job is a job you would like to do? 
how did I, I mean, how did I realize this job is a job I would like to do? I feel like was, it's hard to say because I always wanted to write and mm-hmm. I always, I mean, maybe movies for a little bit. And then when I was actually in college, I had a internship on the show Smallville and I oh. got to really nicely because I had good handwriting. They let me in the room. <laughs> Literally. That's the only reason. So you were writing on the board. So I was writing on the board. And so I spent a whole summer writing on the board in the writer's room at Smallville. And it was amazing. And like from that moment, it was like, that, this is what I want to do when I grow up. Oh, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so then there were a lot yeah. of years between then and now. <laughs> yes, uh, but I'm interested yeah. in that internship. Where were you at school? And did the school help I was facilitate at, that? No, I was in, at Berkeley in um, California, but Northern California. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, I got the internship through my grandma's friend from church, (laughs) whose brother worked at Tallinn Robbins, which is the production company that um, that did Smallville. Mm -hmm. So that was it was literally that circuitous. Like my grandma was like, my friend at church like has a brother who works in the industry you want to work in. So and at that point, you just kind of do. I would like to write entertainments. Yes, at that uh, point I knew job. I wanted to, um, maybe not even necessarily write, I knew I wanted to work in entertainment, so oh, I wanted to produce or direct or write, um, mm-hmm. kind of all of the above. Which, mm-hmm. which I think when, when we're all first thinking about <laughs> yeah. it, is like, those do all kind of go together, and you just think, I want to be near that. Yes. Like, I like I like what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Judalina, what was your story uh, about I, I don't learning have, about this stuff? I don't have quite a straight path here, which uh, is... It's fun because it's testament to the fact that there really is no direct path to get into television. Uh, I went to Emerson College and I studied writing there, but I didn't want to be a writer um, because writing's hard. And so I went... Were you, I'm sorry. your choice. Yeah. <laughs> were you in the uh, TV film writing or were you in the writing literature? No, I was in the writing literature and I actually have my, my BFA in poetry, which just <laughs> comes in all kinds of handy in screenwriting because screenwriting is essentially poetry and dialogue. So it's, it's great. You just got real deep, real fast. <laughs> uh, um, was Peter Shippey there when you were? He there? was, yes. Yeah, I yeah. love, I love Emerson. <laughs> Not to plug them, but you know, there you go. It was a good time. Uh, but then I ended up working in the music industry for about five years on the business side, and I did band scouting and A and R and talent, and then decided to move to Los Angeles. And uh, the music industry died up really quickly. <laughs> and I had a friend who was an actor, musician. He was like, "You should act," and I was like, "Yeah, I should act." And I did that for a while. Uh, and I'm not a very good actor, so uh, I quickly got out of that. How long was for a while? Uh, about four or five years. Oh, yeah, that's a good while. Yeah, and when I say I acted, I, mean, I, wait, I waited tables. Sure. <laughs> uh, but um, along that path, a lot of people to actors say nowadays, write your own material, and, mm-hmm. and that's how I started writing screenplays, essentially. It was for myself to act in. And then I found a manager who said, if you spend two years focusing on just writing, you will get a job. Two years exactly later, I got my first job. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. So, <laughs> it only took you two years? Nicely done. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, yeah, my story was took longer. Uh, I, you know, I went to college wanting to be a physicist, and then I decided I wanted to be a theater director, and then I went to grad school in playwriting, and while I was doing that, I realized what I wanted to do was writing that paid money, and uh, <laughs> that's when I decided I wanted to write in Hollywood. Um, and then I came out here, and then, you know, Ten years to the day. Uh, okay, maybe it was, it was a it lot was closer to ten years, than yeah. two, mm-hmm. as far which as, I think before is I got the, the job as a scripted TV writer, which was the job that I came out here mm-hmm. intending to get. Um, no, and I think we we actually I remember talking to you guys. It's on a very early podcast. It's in the first ten, I believe, to you and Aaron about uh, getting the job as the writer's assistant. 
the two of you as a writer's assistant, sort of. Yeah, splitting a writer's assistant. Salary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think it, we did split it off, and I was the plan was for me to be the script coordinator, and then it just we ended up. Well, anyway, but there's it's again, getting that first job is is the is the tricky one, mm-hmm. um, and so maybe we should talk about how people made that actual yeah. leap to getting that job. Let's talk about. Um, I guess since I'll. I'm currently talking out. <laughs> uh, I'm really experienced these podcasts, as you can tell. Um, so what we were just saying, yeah, I got this, uh, I, well, I got the writer assistant job, but I really got that writer assistant job because a buddy of ours uh, basically hired, sold a show and then hired us to be on the show. Yeah. And, and he couldn't hire you as writers, right? Right. Because like you were we just too young and green. and <laughs> Exactly. So, But he felt sort of comfortable saying, hey, these guys are good. We should make them the writer assistant. And that was a really small room and... We were able to be heard, partially because our buddy's running the show. And then he decided, okay, you know, after we had like a writer's room for a month or something, uh, and then right as the writer's room was supposed to start in earnest, we were going to start our staff job, and then the strike happened. And then the show didn't happen. So that was my big break of operating. I think I may have told this that's in the podcast mm-hmm. before. But the second, the second break uh, was through um, on a show called The Good Guys. Basically, we had... Um, met Matt Nix, who's creator of The Good Guys and Burn Notice and has all sorts of shows now. And he, uh, we met him through an idea that we had for development, like a show idea mm-hmm. that we were working with, uh, working with with him. And he was impressed with us enough to know. But again, this is somebody that we already knew and that already knew that we were good hiring us for our right. first job. Because I think that's one of the... There's not that many ways to do it. And somebody having somebody that you know sell a show is, is really one of the most direct routes. <laughs> it's one of the more popular ways. Yeah. Um, but, but, I mean, you guys did the work. I mean, you, you were developing this show of your own, and you were put with Matt, is that right? By, like, or, or because he was under a deal somewhere, and you were developing with that entity, is that he, right? You know, we, we met him through mutual friends. Oh, I didn't realize and that. And we... Our mutual friend, who's kind of an advocate, had mentioned our show idea to him, or just the, the genre that it was mm-hmm. in, and he was interested in that genre. Like he wanted to do a horror show, which we were kind of talking about a horror mystery show, and then that was sort of the, the intro. Oh, okay. But and this is something. That, but like you're saying, we did do the work as far as like you have to get that sort of the Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hours of like writing. Like you have to get that somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, I mean, it was. Grad school was part of it. That's a good mm-hmm. thing for that. Uh, also, we had worked uh, writing video games. We worked writing game shows and mm-hmm. reality shows, and like so that the you know the the ten years wasn't set wasn't spent you know being a studio tour guide. Although I did that too, uh, <laughs> but, but you know we were we were able to work as a writer mm-hmm. for a while um, to get those hours. Like I was saying, yeah, you were working as a writer, just not the kind of writer you wanted to be. Right, but. As you say, it was you had to you had to do that to learn the craft. Certainly, so when you yeah. met Nick, so you guys were you were ready. Yes, you know you were ready to be taken seriously by someone who who had the experience already and could take you with them. Yeah, that's really important. I think yeah. like it takes a while to get to that spot, and then you have to be ready so that when you know luck is being ready when the time comes, and that's mm-hmm. that's cool. kind of how it works. Like you you need that whenever that moment comes together, that's your chance. Like you you need to be ready. Yeah. I think that's, that doesn't get said often enough. Um, yeah. Hi. 
I I was kind of around for so I had that internship at Smallville, mm-hmm. and then a couple of years later I graduated from Cal, and I right in my last semester I applied to um, grad school for film, and I got into the Peter Stark program at USC, and so I came down here and did that. And I remember um, when I was interviewed for Stark, they said. Why I'm looking at your resume and it looks like you're a writer. Like, why are you applying to this program? And I was like, Oh no 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 no, I'm not a writer. Like, here's all the reasons I'm not a writer. I'm a producer. <laughs> and I got in. And then I get there and I meet everyone, all the producers. And within like literally a day, I come home to my now husband and I was like, So I'm a writer. <laughs> like, I'm not. You know. What in your but mind was the difference, and what did you think made you? I a producer felt and like for this that is going to sound really weird, but I felt like I didn't have enough tragedy in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I didn't have enough of that, like kind of like troubled artistic background to stand up on a table and say I'm a writer and I have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like because I was, you know, I'm, I mean I'm not great socially, but because I was better socially than my friends that were really talented <laughs> writers. I was like, oh, like, I'm a producer. I should be doing this. And so, and, you know, and then Hilarious. and then I met the go-getters and the producers that were in my program who stand on the table and say, look at me, look at me. And I was like, oh, shit, no. <laughs> I, I'm a writer. That's what I am. Um, but I, while I was uh, in the Stark program, I started interning um, at the Mark Gordon Company, and then I ended up um, working as an assistant there for two years. Hmm. First in um, t- television, and then they moved me to a feature desk. And what, what were you doing in that capacity? I was an assistant to the um, head of the feature department at that okay. time, and I, I I covered a lot of specs for the company, so I was reading all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I also, part of the reason I stayed there so long was because Mark is a really wonderful producer, and he has this kind of uh, belief that anybody can tell a good story and anybody can have a great idea. So he would have these meetings where all the interns were allowed to come in and pitch ideas. And oh, so, wow. um, and or really early on, when I was an intern, I pitched one idea and he basically said, I like that, like, let's work on it. And so while I was an assistant there, I was developing with them. So I felt like That's it, I felt like it was like a worth, even <laughs> though I, you know, wasn't writing as much as I could have been if I was doing a different kind of job, like I've, I felt like... I was advancing my career in, in that sort of way. For and then sure. um, Mark worked on a couple pilots with a guy named Michael Seitzman. And two pilots, they made them, and then they didn't go to series. But when they um, didn't go to series, ABC made a deal with him. And so he, mm. they, they actually were like, you should go work for Michael because you write. Mm. He, and so I went and took that job. Mm. And I worked for Michael for three years, um, first as his assistant, and then he promoted me to, you know, sort of an executive position so that I would stay around and we developed a bunch of pilots. <laughs> and and what was, let me ask yeah. you, I mean, this seems like similar to what Wade was talking about. You were, you were, maybe you weren't turning out as much material, yeah. but you were certainly putting in the hours and breaking down story as a reader and as a, in development and that kind of thing. I remember at the time feeling a huge amount of guilt because I wasn't writing as much as I should have mm-hmm. been. Um, but I think that now I am a way better writer than I would have been if I'd spent all that time sitting in a room by myself because mm-hmm. what I got to do was work with this like amazingly talented writer who brought me into his process. And like every time he would be working on, you know, a screenplay, he'd, he'd call me in and he'd be like, you know, it's not working about this scene. This is what's not working about this scene. And this is what it wants to have. And just like those constant conversations about story with like a real professional, I feel like just made me, it changed everything about the way that 
I write and the way that I think about stuff like that. I got lucky because I worked with somebody mm -hmm. that let me in, you know, right. and it wasn't just having me sit in the other office and answer phones. Right. But, but, I mean, you also made yourself available to that, and you were probably a nice person. And, you know, <laughs> and it was... It, that's, think, a, that's often a thing that gets overlooked. Yeah. And beyond that, I think it's also, like, it's not a coincidence. Like, you came yeah. in there and you had good ideas, or you your taste matched on the screen, I'm guessing, mm -hmm. you know, when you're doing the coverage, that's making sense. When he's asking you the first time, like, what do you think of this moment or this isn't working? Like, mm -hmm. the stuff you're giving back to him is valuable to him. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> or at least I'm guessing, or else he wouldn't yeah. have hired you right. to be a writer on a show. <laughs> so I feel pretty good about this guess. Yeah. I've also been in a writer's room with you, so I know that you have good ideas. <laughs> but, like, I, I feel like... The, I think talent, talented people have a way of sort of gravitationally attracting to each other in their, you know, like you, people surround themselves with people that get it and that feel, mm -hmm. that they feel like can help them and, mm -hmm. you know, so I think it's not entirely a coincidence that you ended up in a room with somebody who was like willing to hear you. Yeah. It was that you had the kind of ideas that someone was like, hey, I should give this many of her ideas and yeah. use them as I can. Yeah, and we also, we also hear from a lot of people, you know, hiring assistants uh, writer's assistants or office assistants or just assistants mm -hmm. um, who don't want people who are professional assistants. You know, they like for those people to have ideas because they are going to be part of the process. It's a collaborative medium. Um, that right. said, I would imagine you had to also be the best assistant that you could be. You can't just slough it off. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't a great assistant, I would say, but I, <laughs> the best that you could be. but it was the best that I could be. Yes, I worked at I worked at it for sure. Um, also, something else really important happened. Like, wait, just like the end of the story is that I ended up on a show that Michael created, mm -hmm. but um, but there was a year in between where I left um, because we made a pilot called Americana, which I got to help produce, um, and then when that didn't get pick up, picked up to series. I'd been working for him for three years, and he sort of was the one that sat down with me and was like, you you know, I want you to stay if you want to produce with me, but you keep saying you're a writer, mm -hmm. and, like, if you really want to write, go be a writer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I do. And so it, it was like one conversation where I literally, I walked into the next room, and I was like, Mike, I, I think I quit my job. <laughs> like, I don't know how that happened. Um, and that was terrifying. But sure. I ended up finally, after all of those years, having the time to sit down and write something. Michael never read me the whole time that I worked for him. Yeah. Um, because I'd been writing, but not enough of my own stuff that I felt like I had something that was worth him reading. Mm -hmm. And so... Had he offered in that time? Yes. Okay. And I think that's an important thing uh, that, that a lot of new writers <laughs> tend to forget. That just because the offer is there doesn't mean you need to take it immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's true. And, it, and I, I don't know what it was, but I just I knew that the material that I had wasn't wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And so then I, when I finally quit and I had time, I sat down and I wrote a pilot and, um, from that got an agent and had, and Michael read the script for the first time. And then only like, you know, almost a year later when he got intelligence picked up to series, he then hired me as a staff writer. And I think for me, that year was really important because it gave me the time to step away and earn it. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like had the year before had the, sh the pilot that we'd been working on Americana gone and I got that job without him having read, you know, I would have walked yeah. into the room and it, with a different kind of confidence, you know, I would have Absolutely. walked in like sort of feeling like the job had been handed to me as a favor, whereas like, you know, walking away and taking the time and writing something and proving myself like mm -hmm. gave me the confidence to kind of walk into the room the first time and say like, I deserve to be here. Yeah. I guess. That makes a lot of so, sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I came up the fellowship route, yes. actually, which is, uh, which is interesting and wonderful and very unique to the television industry. And it is its own animal, and we could spend two hours talking just about fellowships. Um, but I was still acting and waiting tables when I applied to a Latino-specific TV writing program uh, sponsored by the NHMC, the National Hispanic Media Coalition. And they pick uh, 10 people each year, and they do a six-week intensive where you write a, a spec of an existing show. Okay, hold on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to interrupt you a lot. No, please. This. I have a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, was this before or after you had been told, go concentrate on writing for nine months or whatever? Um, this was right about around the same time. Okay. It was maybe a co- five months in with my manager uh, at the time. And how did you find this uh, I was fellowship? just Googling on the internet, like, I'm Hispanic, Hispanic writing program <laughs> stuff. And I was thinking about grad school and I was, and I applied to UCLA at the time and I was just sort of sussing out opportunities. And then I linked up with a few different people who had done the program the year before mm-hmm. on Twitter actually, and had coffee with them. And they oh, are you on Twitter? I, I'm on Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> I used, I heard. Twitter's a great resource for all kinds <laughs> of things. Uh, but yeah, ended up talking with them and they're like, you need to do this program. We'll recommend you. And, uh, at that point, I had churned out a Pretty Little Liars spec, which I'm not the least <laughs> bit ashamed to say I wrote. Uh, people give me a hard time about it. It's a good it, one to write. Loved the show. Every and, episode's the same. Yeah, it was, a, you know, young girls being mean to each other. Yeah. It's, it's just like me. Uh, <laughs> so no. that was that was the spec that got me into that program. Okay. And then in that... And that was, I'm sorry, you were saying uh, you had to do a, a spec of an existing show, which is something that is not often done anymore, but I think it's a great skill to have. Absolutely. Yeah, those existing show specs, you really only use them now for the fellowship specifically yeah. so um, so luckily in this specific six week program that I did for, with NHMC uh, they had us write another spec so That's I wrote great. a glee in that program and during the, that program I was introduced to the heads of uh, the NBC diversity initiatives and the ABC uh, mm-hmm. diversity initiatives who kind of seek out these fellowships themselves exactly right? because they're looking for diverse talent to yeah. groom to kind of bring into their programs uh, so that's where I met Karen Horn, who runs NBC's Writers on the Verge. Mm-hmm. And about a year later, I ended up getting into that program mm-hmm. and did uh, Writers on the Verge while I was working as an assistant and on tell, Harm. Tell me everything about that program. I really don't know anything about it. Yeah, uh, it, it is a four-month program. It's intense. It's hard. It's a boot camp. It really is a training program in a lot of ways. Uh, you write a spec of an existing show. I wrote a Suits. Mm-hmm. And then you write an, an original pilot uh, so fast, faster than I could even imagine writing like but, I, but but that's how it's actually done. So it's probably valuable. It, it can be done that way. I would probably <laughs> never try to write a pilot that fast no. ever again. But it was great because you you learn how quickly you right. can you know create something. Theoretically, they're setting you up to go be staff somewhere. Exactly. And, you exactly. know that's where you get a week to turn around the script. Absolutely. And as far as you know, the TV outlines structure and, and the timeline for all of that, it was great because now I go into my show and I'm like, great, four days to write an outline? Easy. Got yeah. it. You know? That's great. Uh, so it was a wonderful program. Um, let me ask you, how did so how did the program work? Uh, was it collaborative? Were you guys each working on your own things in addition to working with each other? Yeah, That's one example of absolutely. how it could go. <laughs> there's a, so there's class twice a week, and uh, the Tuesday classes were always dedicated to uh, workshopping the material we're mm-hmm. working on. So whether that was uh, group processing our outlines or you know going over drafts, giving notes, and then the Thursday classes were sort of uh, lecture style. They would bring in different individuals to come and talk to us about you know what it's like to be in a room or nice. uh, meeting with the executives at NBC, which was really helpful as well. Uh, and that went on up until December, and then we came back in January and finished it off. I'm curious about those Tuesday classes, the mm-hmm. workshop yeah. classes. 
Uh, you must have learned a ton in those. I mean, obviously, it's not the presentational method that you were getting on Thursday, but about, you know, you guys were basically working in a writer's room. Yeah. Um, tell me how that learning experience was for you. I mean, it was it was great, and it's challenging because, you know, it's being run by NBC executives, and, and they are noting you the way that you probably, I assume, would be noted mm. as you go through development. And learning how to take notes is... <laughs> such a hard process you can never really get enough training at it because you will go through it for the rest of your life as a writer and you know sometimes the notes are so specific and clear and you absolutely understand and you you know what to do with it right away Mm -hmm. and sometimes you're like okay what is the note behind the note and Mm -hmm. you can literally spend a whole night like get wrapping your brain around that uh so it was it was good training wheels especially coming into a staffing room now you know working with my showrunner working with the network Mm-hmm. So. I had never heard note behind the note until talking to writers. Mm. Was this something that you got from the execs who were running the program, or was it something that you all kind of figured out yourself? I, I think it, I think it was something that afterwards we would go back and be like, okay, well, what were they what were they really yeah. trying to say, or what? And you know, even now as I give notes to other peers, like you know, sometimes you can't specifically pinpoint Mm -hmm. what it is that is not working in a project. You just have a feeling and you speak from a place of feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, I just kind of feel lost here. Can you make me feel less lost? And I know sometimes those notes aren't helpful, but, you know, that's the process. Absolutely. Yeah, it means something bears investigating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, fellowships... Uh, all for it. They're, they are not guaranteed to land you a job, though, and that's sure. what I learned. I left Writers on the Verge. I did a staffing season. They were so helpful and supportive. Uh, I met on an NBC show that year, didn't land that job, and then went into a dark, depressed place where I'm like, I'm never going to work. And then three months later, uh, working with my agency, they got me the interview for the job that I'm on now mm-hmm. in August. And that's what's wonderful about this new TV cycle is that there yeah. are jobs year-round. Sure. So you never have to go to that deep of a dark place. <laughs> not for very long. Not for anyway. that long. You go there, spend a minute there, come back out. Um, well, I think this is a good spot to talk about staffing season. Mm. Um Tell me about that first staffing season, because you you were in a good position, right? You're coming off this fellowship, and they're helping to set you up, mm-hmm. theoretically, on NBC shows. Um, how many meetings did you take? Did they teach you how to have a meeting? Well, so... Similar to Heidi, I'd had a year before I did Writers on the Verge where Mm -hmm. I actually did staffing season with my agency. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just for the people out there, I met my agent at a party. I was out at a mixer. I was out. She was there. There was a manager who I had met back when I was an actor who knew her. He'd never read me. He recommended me to her. She read me. She signed me. So sometimes just being out and being social. And that person is still your agent? No longer. She left the agency fairly recently. But yeah. so it can be as simple as just being at the right place at the right time and just mm-hmm. being friendly and not being weird. <laughs> uh, so I'd done that first staffing with them with a pilot that they liked, and, and I took about 20 meetings that season, just generals and then about four showrunner meetings. Um, and nothing quite sticked that year. I just I was really green, and, mm-hmm. you know, showrunner meetings and generals, they're not job interviews, they're dates. I tell people that all the time. You are going on a first date. Like, hey, like me, I want you to like you, all that jazz. It's not about, here are my skill sets and please hire me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is that a mistake that you made in that first round? Uh, 
I wouldn't say necessarily, but I, I think that now I feel like I have a much more focused way of being able to present myself. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the things that I'm good at and, and have, an, have an opinion and feel like I can express that. Whereas previously I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm just going to be a staff writer. I'm just here to be amenable. And, mm-hmm. and now I feel like having a point of view on material and bringing it in is important mm-hmm. from the get-go. Yeah. I have kind of an alternate theory, which is that not to disagree with that no, because please. I don't exactly but like I mean I think you do have to be personal I do, I do think it's not about your credits and stuff and you know it's more about just vibing with the person the right way but my theory about like the actual like getting staffed thing like getting this first job is that the luck factor is much higher than we give it credit for oh for sure mm-hmm. like it is not a pure meritocracy it is mm-hmm. not fair <laughs> uh, there isn't a line that you're in the back of and you're waiting until it's your time to go through. Mm-hmm. Like, it is it is luck, like a lot of it. Now, you have to have talent. You have to have a certain amount of baseline talent. Like, that's obvious. Um, you can't really do it without that. But, like, the, the analogy that I always make is to poker. I don't know if you guys play in poker. But uh, we all did for a while there, right? A couple years ago. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the, the thing about poker is that no matter how skilled you are, like the cards hmm. are a much bigger, the, the luck of the draw is like a much bigger factor than you kind of want to let yourself think. Um, you have to be at the right place at the right time. Your script has to land in front of the right person at the exact right time. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of no way around that. And in, in poker, like, you have to get dealt this really great hand. Say you end up with a full house. You have to have a great hand, but then you also, to really win the whole tournament, like, the other person has to have a straight at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's like two things, two random things have to happen. Like, they need you, and you happen to be standing there. <laughs> One of which you have no control over whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. So, to, to, to beat this metaphor to death, like, <laughs> so why do the professional poker players win more? And, and, and my theory is that it's because they're able to stay at the table longer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing with writing Mm -hmm. like can you stay in the game long enough like can you avoid the bitter place that juliana was talking about like she could have flamed out and like said you know what i'm gonna go back to being an actor or whatever (laughs) Uh, you know or like can you get the assistant job that pays you enough to make rent but then you also are still close enough to it you know Mm -hmm. um for me it was you know all these like other types of writing like that just kept us in the game long enough mm-hmm. until you happen to be at that party standing next to the person that right. becomes your agent or that person and that gives you the job I think it bears saying just just to get specific on that all of that other kind of writing that you guys were doing the video games and the game shows and stuff when you're going into staff on a show the showrunner does not give a shit about that right <laughs> the la- so, I mean like it's good for you for learning how to do this stuff but it doesn't matter to the business. No, it, what it mattered was, you know, I could pay my bills and exactly. still have part of the day free to write mm-hmm. and get good at it. Yeah. Uh, and then also, you know, you meet, if you're successful at anything or any version of writing, like you start to meet other people that mm-hmm. are also moving in the right direction. And then I do remember sort of having this distinct feeling that suddenly all of my friends were, had, had sort of taken a leap. Yeah. Like all of a sudden at my poker game, like there are showrunners. <laughs> like the basketball game right. I play on Saturday, some of those guys have their own shows. <laughs> you know, like, and that took a long time to happen, but it was because we were able to stick around and because I think if you write, here's the thing, it is all in who you know. Like that's the saying and I think it's right. It is. But the way, the quickest and best and easiest way to meet people is to write good scripts. Like you will be amazed at how many people you can meet 
just by virtue of like that's you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's the, also the, the, the easiest way to do it because I'm not you know I'm 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 not running Twitter. I'm not going to cool parties. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I still manage to meet people that have shows based, I think, at least in part, on the quality of my writing, and then also... I think it goes the other way, too. I mean, you meet someone, and you hit it off, and they like you, and they find out you're a writer. You should have a good thing to to prove to them, like, I know what I'm doing. I'm not just a guy who says I'm a writer. Right. You know? Secret to writing is writing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, writing well. (laughs) Yeah. You Um, have to do the writing part. It's easy to skip that. When did, uh, Judalina, when did the... um, writer's assistant job come along and where did it come from i was i was very lucky uh, it was it was sort of it was a combination of luck uh because i had that relationship with nbc and i had met with david schulner who was the showrunner uh for do no harm and he didn't end up hiring me as a staff writer but mm-hmm. nbc was like you know we want to groom this girl and we want to get her in a room so she can get oh, some wow. experience would you consider hiring her as a, as a writer's assistant mm-hmm. and he offered me the job and so it was you know great opportunity for me to be in a room you learn so much by being in a room there's just nothing to compare to being there quietly in the corner especially as an assistant when you don't talk to see how to pitch how story Mm -hmm. tracks just the lingo it's a whole different language that you learn every day look take us inside (laughs) what did you learn um (laughs) you know what's funny i I, that was a very specific experience because that room was so big. Um, do, do No Harm had 13 writers. My room has oh, wow. five. Uh, so as I, what I learned from that about what it meant to be a staff writer was, you know, bide your time, be very selective, choose really specific moments, pipe up when you have something brilliant to commit. Um, on my show, it's a little bit different because there are so few of us right. that you constantly have to be generating content, as, even as a staff writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to pitch the really, really, really bad version, and it actually is the very bad version. <laughs> and normally you don't want to be the staff writer doing that, but, you know, when there's right. only five of you, sometimes that springs a better version. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of an understanding that, like, there are only five of yeah. us. This has to be a free kind of conversation. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, story structure and just how you break and breaking story is different in every single room mm-hmm. and you know even on our show we are we're a second season show uh but it was a fairly brand new room a lot of the writers had left mm-hmm. from season one and we had new players and so we were still trying to figure out okay how do we want to break our stories like do we want to be sticking cards in, on the wall do we use whiteboards like are we going to break by character and by run or are we just going to start throwing beats up there it's it's different interesting um Heidi, tell us about being in a room for the first time. You know, I, Wade can tell you, I had this experience where, like, after day one, all of the writers... Because I was the only baby writer on Intelligence. Mm-hmm. Everybody else... How many had writers had were there? Experience. How many were there? Nine-ish? Somewhere around mm-hmm. nine. I'm not, I'm not going to count them on my fingers right that, now. Uh, I would, yeah. I would have guessed a little less than that. Yeah. It's something around there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... At the lunch of the first day, they all sort of cornered me and were like, who are you? And what kind of staff writer are you that you're talking so much in the room? And, and at first I felt like, oh, God, like maybe I should shut up. But then they were all very nice about it and said I shouldn't shut up. So I just never really did. And so I feel mm-hmm. like maybe that kind of came from the fact that I had a previous relationship with Michael. Mm-hmm. And so I felt comfortable, you know, and then also I'm just... Uh, if I have an idea, I like to say it. Not, not that I would sit there and talk all the time, but, you know, <laughs> it, it was, I, I definitely felt like I felt 
I felt comfortable being able to contribute in that one specific situation, partially because of the showrunner relationship and partially because the rest of the writers in the room were also nice and, and supportive mm-hmm. of me. Um, but I just thought it was really fun. <laughs> I feel like that's what they're paying for you, paying you for, like, is for your ideas. Yeah. Like, I'm not a big believer in the sort of staff writer should sort of sit there and soak it in theory. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like maybe I've been lucky that the rooms I've worked in, like, they want to hear from everybody. It's a little yeah. different when you talk about the writer's assistant, because that's not right. really their job. Absolutely. So. But as Which far I, as staff I want to talk about that in a minute, but, yeah. Um, but as far as staff writer, like, you know, I think you just got to... It's about your batting average, really. You know, like, the amount of you're allowed to talk, I think, has to do with how often the things you say are helpful. Yeah. And as long as the things that you're saying are helpful, you can talk kind of as much as you want. Um, everybody, you're all gonna always gonna miss. You know, so you're gonna mm-hmm. pitch things. Everybody's gonna look at you like you just <laughs> murdered their dog. <laughs> like that's gonna happen. You just want to make sure you don't have too many of those. So when you're just starting out, maybe you want to just like not, you know, take too many swings until you realize right. what your batting Find your actually moments. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a writer's assistant job is very different uh, from being a writer, uh, but it's a key job. And you were sort of thrown into it. I, w- I was. And, you know, I was very lucky, again, in that situation, because there was another writer's assistant who had, who oh. had previous experience. And, you know, even though she was a little bit younger than me, she had worked a- at a lot of different places. And so she taught me a lot about, you know, how to, how to do the job. Uh, it, that job was really challenging for me because nobody who's ever met me thinks that I'm a quiet person. So to sit quietly and not pipe up and not contribute was just so creatively frustrating and exhausting. And I remember leaving work at the end of the day being like, calling friends and being like, you're not going to understand any of the things I'm saying, but I just need to talk for like <laughs> an hour. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, they're great if you can get them. Mm-hmm. I, and I know a lot of people who have gotten their freelance episodes who have, who have been promoted from script coordinator, writer's mm-hmm. assistant positions, and I also know a lot of people who are like, that is not the route for me, and I will not be able to mm-hmm. pursue that route. And financially, it, it's a hard gig to live off of. Yeah. You know, you make, after taxes, maybe 600 650 bucks a week. You know, it's, it's not... And you're not committed to having a job all year round. You know, you only right. work for a period of, of time. And so. you're working the hours that the showrunner is working, which are longer sometimes than the rest of the writers. Yeah. I mean, you're the first one there, the last one to leave. And it, and you're not freed up to be able to have the time to write mm-hmm. for yourself a lot. And you'd go home and you're tired and you don't want to sit down in front of a computer. You spent the whole day in front of a computer writing notes for someone else's show. Yeah. Uh, so that's why, I mean, honestly, most of the scripts that I've wrote that were successful or have gotten me anywhere, I wrote while I was waiting tables. And, I, I mean, it's tragic to admit that I was that starving writer-actor for so long, but, um, but it did allot me that time to mm-hmm. be able to just write in a vacuum and honestly Honestly, I, I give a lot of merit to being able to write in a vacuum without any industry input because you write without knowing any better. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know if this is good or if this isn't good or if I should or should not be writing it, but I'm going to fucking do it anyway. Pardon me if we're not allowed to swear. <laughs> so, we, we totally are. <laughs> Great. I love to swear. I um, You're not allowed to. <laughs> I think the thing that is great about writer's assistant, being a writer's assistant or any job or being a assistant to an executive or whatever it is, is that you have the opportunity to become friends with writers. Yeah. yeah. You have access and, in a way you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's the stuff you're soaking in and learning, that's, which is all good. But I think more importantly, well, maybe not more importantly, also important is that you can get to be friends with somebody who's eventually going to have a show. Because when mm-hmm. you think about, there's not that many ways to actually get hired. And one of them is definitely like, Somebody, you know, has sold a show. The showrunners have a show. They need to staff it. They need somebody cheap. 
and they know someone personally who they know is good and who's maybe never had a job before and they'll plug them into that slot. I mean, I really feel like that's how you have to do it. Like, and getting in that room, like, you can't just, like, sit there and take the notes. Like, that won't quite do it. But if right. you're part of the gang, if you're part of, if you, you There's know, a social aspect. Yeah. yeah, and there are moments when you're going to get to contribute ideas, like mm-hmm. maybe the, the, you know, the top two or three people on the show are not in the room. You know, right. someone's off in editing or whatever, and it's just, like, the lower-level writer sitting around, well, that's probably a good time to pipe up and say, well, what about this? If the room is stuck or any time, you know, mm-hmm. if the room is stuck, you can probably... Take a shot. Um, <laughs> but there is even something about being social with the number three or the number four person. Right. Yeah. someday that person's going to have a show. Absolutely. Or even if they don't have a show, and this is a perfect example, you know, I went in for my showrunner meeting on Hit the Floor, and uh, it was a completely blind, no relationship. Mm-hmm. My agency submitted me, the showrunner read my script, liked it, met with me. Uh, but then afterwards, he, the showrunner asked, like, you know, can you have people send in letters of recommendation? And it was actually uh, Wade's partner, Aaron, who wrote mm-hmm. in a a letter of recommendation for me to my showrunner, which definitely helped, you know, mm-hmm. having someone say, I've been in a room with this person, I've worked with them, they're not crazy, they've got great ideas, yeah. you know, hire yeah. her. It goes a long way, yeah. absolutely. And also you can, you know, you can get the writers to read your stuff, mm-hmm. so you can get that perspective on it and that kind of thing, so that's... Any, any way they're, to get... They're not easy jobs to get, though, they're those not. writer's no. assistant jobs. Like, it's, uh, in some ways, it's as closed of a circle as the staff writer, like, yeah. because a lot of times they'll come up and mm-hmm. it's... Again, like somebody's cousin or, you know, like there's a lot of that. And then there's a lot of like it gets, you know, everybody has a couple of friends that want to do it and it gets filled in five seconds. And so they don't show up on like job boards or those kind of things. You have to have a basic skill set to be a staff writer. uh, But to be a writer's assistant, you just have to be able to type. I mean, ideally, there would be more to it than that. But at the base, at the baseline, you just have to be able to type and export documents. But a good one. I mean, writers hang on to good ones. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, So I I also do feel that those jobs can be almost as hard to get a staff writer gig. And I'm always just trying to support people for whom the industry route is not a possibility, whether it's because you have kids or whatever it is. There are a million different ways to break in. Mm -hmm. And if your route is not going to be the assistant route, just to look at other options. So what are the other options? Uh, So I I definitely suggest everyone apply to the fellowships. I think Mm -hmm. they... they And there are so many now that are very specific. Yeah, I mean, Warner Brothers, ABC, Mm -hmm. NBC, CBS has a great one specifically for people who are of color. And that's a great one to start off with as well. Uh, And then also, you know, constantly be creative. Creating and and whether that's filming your own material that goes viral on the internet, like those types of opportunities can be great ways for you to get in front of agents, to get in front of industry execs. Mm-hmm. I have an actor friend who has been doing so much material lately that he's been posting on YouTube that has been floating with every single showrunner I know. And I'm just like, wow, that guy's <laughs> going to get cast really quickly. Yeah. So, you know, or plays or whatever it is, just keep creating. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that's a really good example of how you're like, if you're doing stuff and you're being excellent, it's going to make you meet people, and those are the people that are going to at some point hire you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do or help you get hired. Yeah, or yeah. make the connection to yeah. the entree somewhere. Um, yeah, the other, the, I think the other situation that showrunners are in a lot are, you know, they're looking at a slot that they need to fill in their staff, and they know they need a certain type of person. Mm-hmm. They need a person of color, they need, or they need a woman, or they need bodies in the room, so they need a team. Or they need a medical doctor, or you know, like, and and they don't happen to know that person because the three people that they know are that are already on shows right. or whatever, and then they have to kind of go in the pile of like, well, I don't know these people. <laughs> Let me just read a script. Yeah. So I think the the like the 
the different diversity programs and fellowships and stuff can be really good for that. Like mm -hmm. that's if you're going in and you don't know that person, that's kind of the other way it can happen is they, they don't know you from Adam, but they read your script and it was good mm -hmm. and you're filling a need that they need to fill to, mm -hmm. to and you're your yeah, and you're on the radar of the studio or network because of this program. Mm -hmm. Right. So you've sort of been vetted already mm -hmm. uh, in a, in several ways. Right. And you're not gonna be in that pile unless you're kind of coming through one of those routes. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know that many people who... I think what... I remember thinking that the path was, I'm going to write an awesome script. I'm going to send it to an agency. The agent is going to agree to re represent me. They are going to put that script in front of a bunch of TV shows, and one of the people are going to hire me. And that has not been my experience, and the people I'm talking to of that no. really working that way. Like, sometimes, you know, but, like... It, it, you can kind of the, those the different studios that have the program can kind of get you into that pile, mm -hmm. or you can kind of know somebody or some connection of a connection, so that they're like, forget the pile. I know the perfect guy, yeah. <laughs> right? Or the perfect lady, or you know. Um, there's maybe a third way, and this is a theory. I'm I'm not sure if this is right. Air it out. Uh, I think there's another like kind of a side door, which is that if you're really successful in a writing related field, you can kind of come in sideways, like. Yeah. Guys, uh, you know, a woman creates a show and says, you know what, I'm going to hire my favorite novelist. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah. like, NBC just bought a comic book and you wrote it, so guess what? You're on a writing <laughs> staff. You right. know, so. Which I think is something we're seeing more and more often where, because showrunners are willing to read things that aren't just spec scripts. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like Vince Gilligan talked about reading a short story or a play, I can't remember which it was, from someone that he eventually hired and it was her first television writing job and it's paid off really well for her um, but yeah they're more willing to read a short story or, or a one woman show or something like that um, and, and I think it's, it's starting to be looked at like if you can write you can write yeah. you know you can learn the craft of television writing because it's a craft it's like woodworking it's something you can figure out Story is a different thing, mm. and and pretty much if you're telling stories in one medium, you can tell stories in another medium. And especially when you're breaking in, I mean, depending on the show you're working on, and you know, because we're such a small room, I did get mm -hmm. to write quite a bit, which was great. But you yeah. know, there are shows where, as a staff writer, you won't write at all. You know, you won't get a script, and yeah. you know, at, at that point, it's great if you can write, but <laughs> you do need to be good in the room. You do need to be yeah. able to contribute and to help push, you know, push the wheel along, as it were. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting thing you brought up because it makes me think about self-branding. And I think about this a lot. And, and I, I hate to think this... because I've never thought about that. It's, <laughs> I, I hate to think this way because I think it was something that was sort of beaten into my head as an actor, which is you need to know your box. You need to know what you can play. And, and I, it does cross my mind a lot as a writer as well, which is, you know, sometimes they are going to be looking for that person who can contribute the procedural element or that person who can do the soap or that person who can do the historical research and to just be aware of where your strong suits are and make sure that you lean mm -hmm. into that regularly with your material. I have a bunch of ideas for like, you know, FBI shows that I could write for pi original pilots, but that's not really my sweet space. My sweet space is in the soap and mm -hmm. in the ensemble and being able And that's to where you want to be. Exactly, and yeah. that's where I want to write and those are the types of shows like the one that I work on that I want to go out for, so just leaning into making mm -hmm. sure my material is I wanted to, to ask this of you, Heidi. I yes. mean, Intelligence is your first staff job. Mm -hmm. um, is it the kind of show you would be writing given your druthers? Um, it's close. It's How so? uh, in the kind of like high adrenaline and suspense and, mm. and 
that kind of stuff I, I enjoy a lot. I would say um, it's a little bit lighter than mm-hmm. what I tend to write. <laughs> really? Yes. There's not enough reaping and pillaging um, for Heidi. I, you know, like, uh, I, I think Wade actually said to me, like, after we, we all, like, met for the first time at a, at a lunch, and the next day he was like, the only thing I know about you is that you like torture. <laughs> kept pitching sort of torture-related uh, yeah. uh, ideas. Um, uh, yeah, so I really, I mean... I like I like dark and edgy, and I really like romance. Um, and so there was, you know, th- there's some there's some romance and intelligence. Mm-hmm. But I, if I was mm-hmm. to create my own show, let's say it would have it would have more of, of those two things. Mm-hmm. But um, but as far as you know, it, it's not it's not outside of my sweet spot. It sure. wasn't like oh, I got this first job, and I have no idea how to write that. Right. So that yeah. mm-hmm. I think it yeah, especially for that first job, it has to be a pretty close match. Yeah, like. You know, I, our first job was on a comedy cop show, and we had just recently finished a web series about a com- comedy cop show. <laughs> you know, like it was yeah. like it didn't take a ton of imagination to mm-hmm. say these guys could do this. Yeah, and we and our you know our sample script was about was a, a comedic script of a guy who was a, a doctor, a lawyer, and a cop, <laughs> and a PI. Uh, so like you know, it was just right in the same zone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think after you kind of get in, though, then it's not as important as far as, like, your brand is. Or I'm doing it wrong, which is also possible. Because I don't even know what my brand is anymore. Well, but certainly you and Aaron must have material that you are drawn to. And a direction right. you see yourselves going, the kind of shows you would like to be doing. For sure. But I think if you look at our, you know, if you look at the IMDB page, mm-hmm. like, there's no, there's not a lot, like, doesn't tell the story. Do you know what I mean? Because kind of right. like you were saying before, like... You don't always really get to choose until yeah. you're making until it's your show. Then you get to really see what the show is. Mm-hmm. You want to watch, right. but up until that point, you're kind of saying, "Well, I can do a little bit of this," you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the same way that like, you know, we didn't go as dark as Heidi wanted to go on intelligence, but there was a huge overlap with the stuff that she did mm-hmm. and the stuff that we. And I think it's do. probably not as light as you want would want to go. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, but obviously, when you're actually there, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting there thinking we need to bend the no. show oh, to what not. I wish it was. Yeah. It's more like what you have to, the tricky part is redefining your idea of what good is to be what your boss will like. Absolutely. Because it, it, it's, it's subjective. Like, there's not an objective right or wrong way to do a lot of yeah. these things. So, you know, we, I think we, well, I guess we did. We did secretly try to sneak in jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so I take, I take that partially back. Well, and here's the thing. I, I am starting to reconceptualize what a good show is because to me a good show is a show where the room is warm and friendly mm-hmm. where the people I work with are are supportive and engaging and kind and enjoyable to be around and where For there's sure. opportunity to grow and where they respect your voice and your material and that's the room that I'm in <clears throat> so whether the show itself is critically acclaimed and whether you know they're putting hit the floor right next to you know breaking bad or not which they are I, they are they are <laughs> you know in the black communities they are um, whether they're doing that or not doesn't matter because right. I, I love where I work yeah. and I get to go and be creative every day. And and stepping back and having that, you know, there is a little bit of a cool kids contest in Hollywood about like, what's your last credit and Absolutely. can you get on an AMC show or can you get on an HBO show? And I'm like, you know what? I made a living last year being creative and mm-hmm. that's it. That's, and, and I was happy doing yeah, it. Yeah, like that's, that's the that bottom goes a line. Long way. Um, because that's what it was paid for, but it doesn't preclude us from staffing. Mm. And 
we really liked the show that we're on and said, like, we would go somewhere if it were a happy situation. Yeah. You know, and, and you do definitely redefine what you're looking for, uh, f- certainly once you've tasted it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or tasted the opposite of it. And, you know, yeah. And as you work your way through the ranks, I think it kind of changes. Like, for mm-hmm. that first job, it's like, like you were saying, like, I don't know, is, is, there, is there a job you shouldn't take? Uh, you know, like I, no. I, I mean, know. you don't. You don't. That first job, it doesn't matter. Yeah, who's you don't get to say no. You take it. Yeah. Yeah, because that first one is so much harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But once you're in the door, a little bit like the second one, the third one is easier. Mm-hmm. It never gets easy. Like you're yeah. always like worried this will be your last job. And yeah. You, well, there's also you're a fraud. And you can <laughs> speak to this, but there's yeah, there's the possibility that that show is only going to last four episodes. Yeah, I, I can speak to that. <laughs> <laughs> or one season. Uh, but, like, yeah. I mean, you guys have been put through the ringer every staffing season. And it, it right. can't be easy, but going back to what you guys both were talking about, you're still here. Right. You know, and people like working with you. Even though the show doesn't last, it's still, it was still you know, a good working situation for everyone. Yeah, it kind of brings it back to the poker thing again. Like, you know, the fact that we've been working on a we happen to have worked on four shows in a row now that have just only lasted one season. We haven't got to that second season. Well, that's just maybe that's just a little bit of bad run of cards, or it's our fault. That's the other possibility. <laughs> I'm going to stick with your show cards. It's kind of a bad run of cards, but if you're making the smart decisions along the way, then you don't mm-hmm. you don't bust out. You're still you know like keeping yeah. your head up and you know. But there's an interesting question situation we're in now, where it's like, well, how. How important it is that is that we get on a show that it's continuing, mm-hmm. just so that it doesn't start to look like it is our fault. <laughs> but, uh, but who could? Po- I mean, it's not like you guys were running the show, right? No, who that's could just possibly be neurotic? Uh, but I do, I do want to ask you, Heidi. I mean, you're on Intelligence. This was your first show. Um, it's not coming back. It, you, know, you never know. Let's all be honest <laughs> with each other. This will be out in a few weeks, and we'll know yes. by then. Um, but, but supposing it's not coming back, yep. what kind of position does that put you in? I mean, you have to be out there going, on staffing. Yeah, then. I'm going up for staffing. So that would be, it's, you know, getting it. Luckily, I have, I have two pilots that my agent's excited about, and so sending okay. that out and sort of starting to, you know, it's, a, it's not quite the time yet. Like, it won't mm-hmm. be the time until really for... Our level, it's you know after the upfronts. It, well, not after the. It, it's usually like the couple weeks before the upfronts, after yeah. they deliver the pilots and before. All right, they I guess get, you meet. Yeah, yeah, that's when the that's when the meetings start, and so, um, you know, luckily, I actually like when when I was working for Michael and we made Americana, I got a glimpse into what it's like to staff a show, hmm. um, which was really great for me because it helps with a lot of the neuroticness because <laughs> you know like that pile we was talking about it's a real pile it's thousands and thousands of scripts <laughs> oh and God. they just keep getting sent in and like you know an agent will call you and they'll send you 15 and then like three days later they call you and they send you 15 more and three days later they call you and they send you 15 more and like it's just it doesn't go away and I know that you know they start reading at the top and then they're moving toward the bottom but then more tops get sent in and so you read more of the top and then they're moving toward yeah. the bottom and then more tops get sent in and so like for me no, you know having knowing that in a, in a lot of ways it is you know people calling and mm-hmm. pushing you and, and to then move if, you to the if top you've been sent file. in to if you've just been sent in by your agent and you're not hearing back, like there's a very good chance that they just haven't read you yet. You know, that it's and not probably good. won't. And might not, yeah. Or 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 they read ten pages and they were distracted. And you know, it's <laughs> it's not necessarily that they didn't respond to your material, mm-hmm. which is, you know, at least in the kind of anxiety driven 
thing that we do for a living and always wondering, you know, <laughs> do they hate what this I did? Still like, yeah. Though, yeah. yeah. And, I'm like, and I'm wondering, and you said people calling, is it the agencies calling or is it outside people calling and pushing you towards the top of the list? I think a lot of the, I mean, it's a lot of what Wade was talking about where it's who the showrunner knows or who the showrunner's mm-hmm. closest friends yeah. know. You know, it's like, do they... Did some did their good friend call them and say, "Hey, I just worked on this show with this person, and yep. they were a superstar." If like, you can get you any get muscle them. behind yeah. you, it goes mm-hmm. a long way. I think that that's a lot of it. And then, like he was saying, filling a slot, and then um, and also just um, you know, I mean, but so much. It's interesting. Television is just different from any other medium for writing because it is so much about like getting along with the people that you're in a room with mm-hmm. and like wanting because you have to spend so much time with those people. And so I think that's a lot of the reason why the who you know is so important in mm-hmm. TV, because you have you either know them and you know that you're yeah. going to like spending all that time with them or somebody that you're close to does. Right. And someone's vouching. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's not to say that, like, in the Americana process, there were writers that we read on the page and we loved, and we were like, mm-hmm. let's, let's hire that person. So it didn't not happen. It's just... There's so much volume that, like, rising to the top of that volume is a challenging thing. Sure. Do you feel like you have momentum coming off of intelligence, or does it feel like starting over again? Um... I, I should just probably say that like, it could still come back. Because it's a little bit of a long yeah. shot right now. Right. But maybe we'll come back. We'll both get a season two in this whole conversation. Yes. Absolutely. For everyone. And that's obviously oh, not me because yes. I didn't weigh in. Like, yeah, everything's This is great. all yeah. hypothetical. Okay. I mean, in the case that it does not come back, I feel like in a lot of ways I'm starting over, but I feel like the difference is there's whatever nine people that sat in a room with me last year and that hopefully all know that I can write and know that I'm an asset on a show and so I feel like in that way there's just more people there's not just one person that can vouch for me anymore there's there's nine and so hopefully that helps that's Um, great but you know I'm still terrified for sure (laughs) (laughs) um I want to talk very briefly about um, your first script as a staff writer. Um, you said you, you got to write a number of scripts. I wrote one and a half, yeah. Uh, that's great. Yeah, that's fun. Um, I love writing. And it, you, you got an <laughs> intelligence one. script? Yes. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's talk about intelligence for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, were the scripts doled out in the order of the room hierarchy? How did you land with the script that you wound um, up with? They weren't exactly doled out in hierarchy. It was It was more like a we had all we had a bunch of ideas on the board that were these could all be episodes and then um and then they sort of were assigned like you take this idea mm-hmm. you take that, that idea and so that that happened early on it was like this was my idea um it was and, something you oh. had pitched no it, it wasn't oh, okay. actually no, no no sorry they assigned me this oh, okay. is this is the idea you're going to work on and and then um because i was the greenest it was you know at the end of the line mm-hmm. um and at which meant it's it was like Eight, episode eight, yes. you know, like sort of like right in the middle of the run. And um, then we sort of broke all the other ones and a lot of time was spent on the ones before. And for a while, it was like me sitting in a room being like, well, maybe this could be what the Were you off is. in your office just trying to for a little break bit. it yourself? For a little so bit. And then, and, then, um, and then Michael's focus finally came on it. And I, and I worked with him, kind of just the two of us for, for a while. Hmm. And, and, and then at the very end, we took it to the room and we all broke it together um, okay. right before the outline was done. And then, um, and then what did you feel like in writing your first script as a staff writer, what did you feel like your responsibility was? Um, what did you feel like your job was? To develop, or to, to 
put in a good first draft mm-hmm. to have a great like you know something that didn't have to be fully rewritten mm-hmm. and um and I did I had two days wow so that was exciting <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy and how did you wind up with just two days we were we were just up against it we yeah. had you know mm-hmm. it was, it's a first season show you just yeah. uh, we were running late on everything and the, and I the also the fact that we were that up against the wall time wise and that you still got to write the draft and some yeah. you can whisk it away and give it to more experience blah 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 mm-hmm. you know I think was a compliment to the or the confidence that you'd earned with the yeah. the big wigs for sure there. also like mm-hmm. Heidi like worked her tail off the whole time we were there like she was like always the last person in the office it seemed like and like spent all this time and there was a little bit of like. I'm totally like talking about you. <laughs> she would be like, "Oh Sorry, my she god!" She won't say it herself. This is terrible. Have I ruined the entire show? Kind of like moments of like, it's like okay. Yeah, and there was, was a, lot a lot of moments where they kept script. saying, Absolutely. "Like they kept being like, this is not your job. Like you don't have to worry about this." And be like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> um, so when you said, "What did you feel like your responsibility was on the first script?" Her real answer should have been, I felt like the entire show was messed up. <laughs> and then I could read it for everyone. I did, yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> so, so you have two days. Yeah. How do you grapple with the pressure that it sounds like you've mostly put on yourself? Um, I'm a, I, you know, when I was in college, I wrote my thesis in one day. Like, I'm a last minute person. Mm-hmm. So that sort of like adrenaline and pressure is just something that I've always responded better to like Mm -hmm. in some ways I feel like I write better when I'm working under that kind of like stress and deadline Mm -hmm. Um, and let me just ask from like a nuts and bolts perspective what kind of a break were you working off of what kind of an outline it was an it was a fully broken story so Mm -hmm. each scene was broken but the outline was thin it was like a 10 page outline so it was like a little it wasn't like dialogue was written in the outline or something Mm -hmm. like that so um yeah, so I wrote it in two days, and luckily it was, like, really well-received. And I feel like, I, again, like, I felt like I was really looked out for by all the other writers on my show because all of them had had their first show before and all of them had had their first experience. And so everybody was sort of, like, protecting me and letting my episode be my episode, which mm-hmm. was kind of awesome. So I felt like when it finally aired, it was something that, like, I wrote. You That's know? great. And, and I never, at no point that. did I feel like it was, like, yanked away from me and mm-hmm. rewritten. or that. And presumably so. it was rewritten. You know, it was, but actually, in this case, um, with, like, because, again, because of my relationship with Michael, like, even the one, like, big draft he did Mm -hmm. was, I was there with him the whole time, and we were sort of, like, spitballing through the whole draft, so he sort of incorporated me in every step of the way, which made, um, made me feel really good. (laughs) It was awesome, you know? I mean, that's a great opportunity and a phenomenal learning experience, if you get to do that second one. Absolutely. Specifically for him, but, mm-hmm. you know, for anyone to see what the showrunner takes from your draft mm-hmm. and how he processes it. Uh, yeah. That's great. Um, tell me about writing your first script as a staff writer. Yeah, uh, it was, I got episode six as well, right? You were six? Oh, I was eight. Eight, okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I was right halfway through, um, and our showrunner writes quite a, quite a lot, uh, and he he wrote four episodes our season so he bounced in. he wrote the first one and then bounced in for the one before mine and then and then mm. um, mine came up and it was sort of an interesting break because we'd hit a point in the season where uh, not much was sorry I can't say too much because it hasn't actually aired mm-hmm. yet but uh, we didn't really know what we wanted the episode to be we kind of went, went in with very loose bullet points but there was a lot of space and uh, and I really give a lot of credit to, to my showrunner and to the co-EPs for coming up with a, a cool idea which it's a big set piece episode mm-hmm. uh, which was a lot of fun and the show is I mean when you watch a show it's it's fun the voices are clear the characters are rich it's easy to write and and so you know 
it was fun to go away. I went two days, wrote the outline in two days, wrote the script in three. You know, and our scripts are light because we have a big dance episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm spoiled. I mean, it almost is in some ways like writing like an easy comedy, like the <laughs> easiest comedy ever. Because we, well, you're but right. it may not be easy for everyone. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're finding it easy, and that's lucky. Yeah, and you know the thing. The thing is, and posit the opposite angle. Uh, my showrunner heavily rewrites, and that's mm-hmm. and it's just his style. Like he has a clear, clear vision about what the show is, and he specifically knows how he wants the voices to be, and especially in dialogue. So you know, he loved the outline and loved the script, and went to him, and then he definitely went through mm-hmm. and and did a heavy pass. And as a creative personality, you're like, no, that hurts. And then you're like, this isn't my show. Yeah. And reminding yourself, this isn't my show. This is his show. It's his vision. And as long as he's happy with the quality of the first draft, Mm -hmm. that's all I have to do. Well, let me ask you then. I mean, you're episode five, so you've seen this, seen everyone else get rewritten. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, you know that's just how the show works, which is great to know, so it's not a surprise and you don't get precious about it anyway, which a lot of writers do. Um, So what is your job in that that first draft of the script? What are you trying to give to him? Well, in in that first draft, I mean, and I... and this is a great piece of advice I got from someone previously. I studied his scripts from mm-hmm. the first season. I studied them hard, down to punctuation. Like, you know, where, right. how does he punctuate? How does he, do, does he have a staccato style? Like, just trying to mimic it as close as I could to hand it in. And, you know, I saw a lot carry through. A lot of what I wrote did get into the right. into the actual drafts. Um, but for the most part, it's just giving it bones and making sure everything tracks and working out any little kinks. And when we had the last day of our break, I came in that morning and was like, here are 20 questions that I just need to reel off really fast. Where is this set? What is this? Just so that I knew that it was exactly the way he wanted it when I handed it in. Nice. Yeah. And so that was great because then we did get to split. Me and another staff writer wrote a second episode. I think it's interesting. Even when you know you're going to get rewritten a lot, I think the writers that impress me the most and they go the farthest are the ones that still have to make it awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly something true yeah. that I've seen with Julina and with Heidi, like, and with us, like, you can't turn in the crappy version, even though yeah. you know it's just going to get written over yeah. or whatever, like, I think it, if you have to make it really good, that's probably a sign that you're, you're doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. if you're like, whatever, I'm going to get rewritten, so I'll just kind of half-ass this and go home early, that's... <laughs> That's a, not a great long-term strategy. That's <laughs> <laughs> the best way to put that. You want your showrunner to, to be opening up your script and excited to read yeah. it because they know that you have fun with it and it and it carries on the page. And there's there's a, even if you're not writing a show that is a, a comedy, that there's mm-hmm. still that levity, that joy, that like yeah. you know, I'm having fun with it. Probably the most important thing is that your showrunner gets your script and reads it and does not say. Ugh, there goes my weekend. <laughs> yes. That's basically your job, is to yeah. avoid that ever happening. Yeah. Which, I, I, I mean, I've had that experience, certainly. I assume you've had that experience, and it's it's awful. Where you've ruined their weekend? Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, I've ruined, yeah. I've ruined some weekends <laughs> yeah. in my day. I haven't ruined too many showrunners. I think I ruined a network weekend one time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that fine. I got thrown out, but... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, hopefully what you're doing is you're saying, the showrunner's getting it and saying... Oh, good! I have to do less to this one than yeah. I had to do to the last one, mm-hmm. or you know, yeah. like, because there's nothing better than your showrunner rewriting you and making it better. Yeah, because like yeah. they have a show because they're really talented and they're really good and they put yeah. their awesome stuff and your name stays up there. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Absolutely, provided you don't get one of these showrunners who puts his name on it. Yeah, there's also yeah, 
there's yeah, there's two ways it can go wrong. One is what you're saying that they <laughs> then apply their name to it, and you know, and that can get kind of tacky. Um, or there's also the punch down, which I've never <laughs> experienced, but I've definitely seen it happen where you feel like you turn something in, and then when it comes back, they've they've punched down your jokes. Right. And it's all now just a little bit less good. Yes. Uh, what else did you have on your list? Oh, well, the other thing I was thinking was just like, how do you know if you have the requisite amount of talent to do this? <laughs> not gonna be time? Like, Wait a minute, kind of hold a, on. Ask that question again so we don't <laughs> laugh over it, because I'll cut right to that. Okay. Uh, well, one, one question I have is like, and some of this is something I remember asking myself at the time is like, how do I know that I have the requisite amount of talent to do this and I'm not just completely wasting my time? Because, like, it is really hard, and you have to have a certain sort of baseline talent level. Um, a friend of mine, a writer friend of mine, Alex Wu, used to say, comedy is easy if you're funny, which I think <laughs> does kind of encapsulate it. Like, you have to kind of be a little bit good at it just before you even started any sort of training or practice or put in your 10,000 hours of whatever. Um, and then the other thing is, I think at some point professional writers start telling you that you should be doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to get to, but I kind of remember when that started happening that I was like, okay. And there's also just you need a little bit of just maybe um, blind confidence in yourself that's not necessarily substantiated. Oh, yeah. Like you have to have a little bit of like, yeah, I can do this. Right. Even but not though too much. Not too much. No, but especially, and I see this, I say this from a woman's perspective, especially as a woman, I think you have to have a little bit of, maybe even a little bit more than feels comfortable as a woman because guys inherently, I feel like, have that. They kind of do sort of and have this like, you know, I'm going to, I can do this. I would argue writers (laughs) inherently do not have that. (laughs) And and that is actually something I want to talk about, but let's talk about talent first. Um, My dad um, is a businessman. And is, you know, just he doesn't do any, like, creative is not his thing. And so when I started wanting to do this, when I was in high school, he was like, this is not a good industry. Like, I mean, the statistics on how you can survive in this industry, you know, it's just always, there was always this sort of like, are you sure? Like, is this really what you want to do? And like, he wouldn't let me go to film school out of, out of high school because he wanted me to get a liberal arts education just in case. Like, there was always sort of that thing. And I, and I sort of. I every little tiny bit of mini success I've had gets like my favorite thing is the way that my dad responds to it because he always responds to it in a really analytical way like this that first episode that I just wrote aired on television and I I got this you know email from him the next day he'd watched it four times he'd sat there (laughs) and he'd literally like gone through like every single scene every single moment and like the conclusion of the email was you're in the right business. You're doing the right thing, you know. And it, it and that okay. happened when I was in college, and I did like a five minute short film. And he was like, "You're in the right business. You're doing it." But it, all from a very like dry analytical. <laughs> the fact that you were able to develop these characters, you know, it was like that that kind of thing where it, it's been so important to him to figure out the thing that you are saying because he loves me. But there's always that question of does she does is this just a pipe dream or does she like actually have talent here, you know? That's and really so it's been I don't know. It's just been like a funny. <laughs> A funny, whereas, like, I definitely have the arrogance to just have always been like, oh, this is what I want to do. Well, like, I think, you know, I'm going like to get better. You've yeah. offloaded the, the neurosis <laughs> about having talent to it. I mean, I certainly have neurosis, but it's like, you know, but, the, but just despite the neurosis 
constantly part I think also having that pushback mm-hmm. from my dad and then being like but no I want to yeah, you know you and it's like, it I'm gonna, you know you have to like fight for it in a way yeah. I guess that maybe I don't know well I mean this is the thing you said earlier it's not a meritocracy it's mm-hmm. not so yeah. do you really even need mm-hmm. to have the baseline of talent if it is this combination <laughs> of luck can you just persevere can you just be constantly creating and constantly be working at it and and eventually and it might take 10 years and it might take 15 years I mean, it might take two years. It might take two years. <laughs> and this is the thing. It took me two years from the day I decided I was going to yeah. pursue actively being a writer, but I spent five years as an, as an actor yeah. reading a lot of bad scripts. That counts, absolutely. Performing a lot of dialogue, yeah. learning what it means to, to do character, to be a character, how dialogue plays, and then I decided to yeah. write. But you had internalized a lot of that stuff, which, I mean, that's part of the work. I had a lot of specific opinions about what was good and what was not good, and I felt like I could write better than the things <laughs> I was auditioning for. And all that thinking about, like, the number of years it takes is, like, such a trap, because mm-hmm. if you sort of say, okay, there's this big luck element to it, like, mm-hmm. there's the guy that's going to make it in six months, yeah. and mm-hmm. there's the guy that's going to take him 15 years, and everything in between. So, you know, I do think you have to have a... I don't, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can just grind it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think you have to be... Like, there's just not enough yes. jobs. Like, it, it may not be a meritocracy, but talent will eventually out. Yeah, and I do, but I also think that there's a lot of really talented people, and there's always somebody better than you. Me out, personally? Uh, anyone. Yeah. Uh, it seems like you're looking right at me when you there's say always, that. <laughs> there's always someone better than black. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, until Aaron Zorkin's not around anymore, there's always going to be someone more talented than me. Like, that enough, guy exists. There's enough talented people, there's enough people that meet the requirement, required you know, a level of talent to fill all of the jobs. So mm-hmm. you still have to kind of get that lucky break a little oh, bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it definitely is a, a an alchemy of things. Right, and there's also kind of a disposition to it. Like, mm-hmm. you not only, at least for TV, like, you not only have to be able to write it, but you have to be able to be the kind of person that can write it and be sane, <laughs> you know, and, like, can take absolutely. the ups and downs before mm-hmm. you get the job. Like, it does get easier yeah. once you get the job, but, you know... Sometimes it can be. A Sometimes it gets worse after you get the job. You That's know, true. like there's, it's a different kind of bad, but it can still be terrible. And I'm not speaking from experience at all. Right. Um, but like, just from the stories we've heard on this, like you can have a bad job. You may have the yeah, job you want, goes, and it may be yeah. awful. Everybody yeah. ends up in that dark place, and it's like, <laughs> yes. do you have enough accrued confidence in yourself and or previous successes, mm-hmm. or just? gumption to stick with it long and get back in the game and dust yourself off again. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk very briefly um, before we wrap up about uh, being women in a writer's room um, and in the business in general. Um, on your show, Julina, what is the male-to-female ratio in the room? We are pretty even. We're actually perfectly evenly split. Uh, I thought you said there were five of you. Uh, six, I guess six, <laughs> including my showrunner. Uh, showrunner counts as this holier-than-that entity. He's, he he's exists above and beyond the room. Uh, so, yes, yeah, six, including okay. him. So, so you're split. Yeah, so uh, we're and, half and half. And what was it on intelligence? There were two of us. Two girls. Two women. Everybody okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are going to continue. Uh, yeah, I mean, and this is the thing. Uh, there are shows out there where the ratio is, is much more favorable, and in, on my show we are, you know, very well represented with women because the mm-hmm. show is a female, you know, skewing show, and the characters are female. Um, and I do tend to write female fare and want to go out for, for female-driven fare. Uh, it is it is hard to be a woman in the industry. It, it's hard. Uh, what I've seen from a lot of my peers who, who are females who want to write female skewing materials that it's not as well-received. Mm-hmm. That because it tends to be softer and it's more emotional and the stakes aren't people 
dying or people shooting each other or that high octane element or whatnot that uh, the male gatekeepers, and I say this, agents and managers tend to be men. There are not that many women out there. Uh, don't don't always know quite what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah, if you're, we're talking about writing drama primarily. Yes. I mean, comedy is a different kind of difficult, but I think there it's a little easier for entry, or at least the softer, quote, material is a little better received. Yeah, and from and maybe Hetty can speak to her pilot um, in a minute. I would love to hear some about that. But for, I was on a panel the other day with all women talking about how they broke in, and um, someone made an interesting comment, which was, you know, they assume that you can write female characters. They assume that because you're a woman. Of course you can write women. So uh, counter-program. Write content that is masculine and male so that you can show that not only can you do, obviously you can do women, but here I can do men too. This mm-hmm. is starting to sound like a sex talk and not like a script talk. But, um, and, and I don't know how, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my pilot does have a female lead and does have, a, but also since it's an ensemble has male characters and from the showrunners I've met, they've responded to the male characters. So, mm-hmm. Well, you know. but, and we've heard this on this panel, and I've heard it on on other chats that you know um, a male writer is never said you wrote the women really well, mm-hmm. or even you wrote the alien really well. But a female writer will often be told, "Wow, you really wrote this man really well," and yeah. that's unexpected. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard the. I mean, you know, one of my my peers on the show uh, has a pilot that's uh, you know female characters, and that's worked for him because he goes out he can go out for female shows and say hey i'm a straight dude but i can write women so there is an argument to be made for you know counter programming i guess is the term Mm -hmm. i'm using you know writing the opposite of what people expect from you Mm -hmm. i mean i haven't had a lot of experience i I would just say i haven't had a lot of experience having trouble being a woman if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. like it's you know it's not something that i've encountered I don't really think about being a girl. Like, it's just, I am, but so what? You know, and I, and I, maybe I just haven't been in, you know, the right rooms where there have been issues that way. The wrong rooms. The wrong rooms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, intelligence, yes, there were only two of us, but um, it didn't feel, I, I don't know, I just, I, I wouldn't say that I felt like underrepresented as a woman in the, in the room. We just, you know, it was a good room of people. It's not something that well, for it speaks me, well of the people running the room. Yeah, the, it's, it's, room it's not something for me that it's not an issue for me that I've felt in my career so far. But mm-hmm. I also do write, I guess, more masculine things. My my pilot has a male lead. Mm-hmm. And you like torture. Uh, I like torture. <laughs> yeah. Torture is you know um, non gender specific. So, so. You know, and I'm like my one credit now is on an action show. So it's you know so mm-hmm. maybe they're like to speak to the thing Wade said earlier about, you know, filling boxes, like maybe I've sort of put myself in a box that makes me viable because there aren't a lot of women yeah. that are mm-hmm. out there writing this kind of, you know, that kind of material. So I don't, I don't know. But. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't had much problem being a woman in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, it's been surprisingly smooth for me. Uh, yeah, it, that's really interesting to hear the, the perspectives on that. It, it looks, from my outside eye, like it looks like when it gets to be really tough is like sort of the higher you go. Like I, mm-hmm. yeah. It is weird to me that there are not more female showrunners, and then it all sort of comes down from there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that might be when you're about starting, the times. I do think when you're starting out, it feels kind of, well, what do I know? I'm a dude. Uh, but, it, you know, it feels like, you know, it feels, I don't know. Does it, it feels it make like it a level playing field to me it, as someone who is still starting out. 
I, I guess it just depends. And honestly, a lot of it has to do with the year that you go out for your first mm-hmm. real staffing season. Because, you know, last year was a challenging year as a, as a woman who wrote female content because a lot of the networks did not pick up new shows that were female-oriented. Yeah. And even a show like Blacklist, which is a perfect example of a show that has a female lead, it's still a very masculine show. And, and you mm-hmm. know, if you're looking for people who can come in and blow stuff up, and that tends to be a genre where men, you know, excel, you know... Anyway, so I have a, I have opinions about it, but I, I think that in the at the bottom levels, it's true. You know, they are trying to tick off box tick off yeah. boxes, and one of the boxes sometimes is we we need women, we need more women. Let's put them at the lower levels, but that doesn't always help to engender women moving up through the ranks because always having women as staff writers where they feel like perhaps they can't speak up or can't you know express their opinions yeah. doesn't help to necessarily create shows that are representative of women. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, before we wrap up. Um, hey, what are you watching on television? What are you excited to be watching on television and talking to your friends and colleagues and spouses about? Presumably you just have one. <laughs> just one spouse. Yeah, yeah his Mormon, his Mormon ladies. <laughs> your um, sister wives. <laughs> the, well, okay, Game of Thrones just came back, and I love that one, so mm. that's exciting. But um, the thing I want to, want to talk about, the show that I'm most excited about right now, is The Americans. Oh, Let's get into it. I had this moment where I was just like sitting there. I was like, wait a minute. Is that now my favorite show? Is that the show that I wish I was writing right now? (laughs) And it is because they get to do everything. They have the cool spy stuff. Mm -hmm. They have action stuff. They have thriller stuff. And then they get to turn around and do a scene about the kids. Mm -hmm. Because I'm a parent. I care about the stuff. Marriage, the relationship. They can do these great actory character scenes. And they do that for a while, and they have a great cast, so that's fun mm-hmm. too. And then they turn around, and people start pulling out silencers, and people get murdered. And I was like, how fun would that be to be able to just take that whole spectrum, yeah. and in any individual episode, get to do all those different kind of scenes? Yeah. So I don't think there's like, another show that's doing that at all. Certainly not as well, but I don't. I can't think of another one that's doing it at all. And it also, the reason I know it's such a good show is because, like. I am rooting for the Russians so hard, right? <laughs> like I went. <laughs> I had that realization in like halfway through this season. I was like, "Oh, this CIA, CIA guy is going down. Like, I do not want him interfering with this assassination of a scientist we're doing right now." Like they've got me completely flipped around backwards, Absolutely. and it's because it's just really good. Yeah, that's expert writing uh, and and world creating. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, good answer. I'll take it. Okay, uh, Heidi, what are you watching? What are you talking to your husband about? What are you excited to be? Um. Watching, you know, I hate to say True Detective because you can say it. But what I'm like most excited about right now is the fact that I feel like television is finally embracing the fact that it can be the next like version of literary mm-hmm. ideas, and that's kind of what I always liked about TV was mm-hmm. that it's like a way to tell. I'm you know an English major and a geek, and I like I like novels, and I love the idea that like television can be a novel in a lot of ways yeah. and I feel like True Detective is the first thing that's really caught on that's done that but there's mm-hmm. also a show called Rectify on Sundance that I'm obsessed with that I feel like does that too like it you know it it takes time to let imagery happen it takes time to let characters develop it's you know mm-hmm. patient but the stories are also very interesting I don't know I just I'm and so True Detective I feel like really went for that and I and I'm mm-hmm. st- really stoked about it because I feel like now that that's been successful other people will be like, oh, wait, like we can tell stories that, you know, yeah. 
that have some like poppy pulp stuff to them, but that also have an underbelly that's like a little bit more contemplative and philosophical and interesting. So. Uh, did you watch the Returned? Um, I did not. It, is, it has that same it feeling, uh, yeah. like it's like reading a good book. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go watch it. Uh, and it's not close ended. <laughs> I guess. I guess there's going to be another season, oh. but um, yeah, the the French version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> no, seriously, uh, that that show. Uh, oh, I've, you did watch it. I've spent. Oh, I pretty much marathoned it in a day and a half. Me too. I just, uh, it's beautiful and yeah. exquisite. And uh, any show that's subtitled, but you're still so emotionally invested in watching yeah. the people speak in a different language. It never felt like it was removed. No, no, The Americans has subtitles. <laughs> that's not everything it has. Yeah. And it has the same thing where I ne- like when those scenes in the Russian uh, embassy, I never feel removed from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I feel like I'm so in that. Uh, anyway, go on. Yeah, but just, you know, a depth of character. I think that's, to me, like, what I'm seeing a lot more in this golden age of television is just nuanced storytelling and being able to breathe with characters. And that show is, it's slow. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a slow show, but you are so invested in, in kind of the grief and, and the mourning to start off with, and then progressively the indignation and the fear. And it's just, you're going yeah. through this roller coaster of emotion. I'm, I can't wait for that second season. I'm dying. Uh, what else have you been watching? Uh, I'm also on the Game of Thrones Game of Thrones kick, uh, and I'm I'm behind uh, just because I've been bopping around a lot lately. But I like Resurrection in that same vein because mm-hmm. it's you know it's doing the same similar things as what The Returned is doing. Uh, but just anything, honestly, for me with ensembles, and I like to see ensembles that succeed where you don't. Fast forward past a couple of the characters. And you're not just like, oh, I don't want to see that guy. Can we just get back to the, the hot people who are sleeping together? Like, you know. So the, you know, good job on those guys too. Mm-hmm. All right, good answers. Uh, thank you guys all for being here. I think this will be very instructive to people. I hope so. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 